Well, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Revelation Wellness Podcast. My name is Elisa Keaton and I have a permagrin. I have had a permagrin since Sunday, this past Sunday. We just wrapped up Platoon 24 and 25 of Revelation Wellness Instructor Training that was completely online and at home. And I am here to tell you, I knew that we were doing the very best we could to make it the very best it could be. It far exceeded our hopes and dreams because it really had nothing to do with us. I'm telling you, the Lord always takes our little, our most excellent little, the best we can give without striving. We had to trust. But when we do that, He multiplies. The testimonies that are rolling in from the people that received the healing, freedom, transformation, the two words, life-changing, life-changing. While people were in their basements or in their laundry rooms or in a, a hotel down the road with a couple friends, whatever they did, they did not have to come to the mountain to get what God had to give. And it saved them time and money. So y'all, we are doing it again in Platoon 26. I wanna encourage you if you've ever thought about it, do it. Because of COVID right now is the time when COVID lifts, uh, we will reassess what what everything's supposed to look like. We're just so grateful. And I'm, I'm reaching through the airwaves right now to grab the man or the woman who you keep coming up with reasons why not. And I want to ask you, could you reframe it with what if? <laughs> what if God wants to do a magical work? What if God wants to do a transforming work? What if You've been thinking God about God in the wrong way. So, hey, no shame, no fear. Throw it off and let's talk. So swipe up on the show notes and find out more about our next class. It starts in February of 2021. You're going to hear us talking about it in this season. But speaking of this season, I'm also hosting a webinar Thursday, which is tonight, Thursday night, um, called Happy Healthy Holidays or this afternoon. I hope you can make it. You know, it's how do we maneuver these holidays? We've never been in a Christmas holiday season like this before. Navigating these waters of Thanksgiving inside of a global pandemic. But I am positive, although maybe some of the things I'm gonna share you've heard before, you've never heard them and your heart's never prepared for them like they have because of what has been going on all around us. Remember, all things, all things are moving towards good. And we can have one of the best holidays we've ever had, one of the best seasons to prepare the way for the God, to prepare a room for Him. Let's do this. So I'm going to do this webinar this evening at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. You can swipe up on the show notes. If you can't come live, just register for it and you will receive it in your email right after it's done. And we will also follow up with a 30-minute Q&A. I just want to encourage you that it is a good season in spite of how hard it might feel. And now today we have an interview. I had the joy of interviewing Scott the Painter. Scott Erickson, you guys, he has written a book called Honest Advent and uh, I love him. Do you follow him on Instagram? I'll swipe up and find out all the places that he is. And he, what I love and I think we do here in the Ministry of Revolution Wellness is we try to make the unseen seen because we see a lot of stuff that maybe doesn't matter to the kingdom of God, but what he does is these images and pictures to help people draw people's heart back to the God who created them and is a creative God. And you are creative beings, all of us. If you love spreadsheets and numbers and making lists, that is a creative thing. So we talk about this season, he'll give you great hope. 
Um, really also talk about the body and what a beautiful thing that we have as, as women. We, we carry life in us. Jesus came as a body in a woman. The messiness of that, it's just beautiful. You're gonna get really inspired for this season. And I was so inspired when I met him, he had a shirt on that right after we hung up, I went to his website and ordered a shirt called Love Thy Other. Oh, every time I wear it, people are like, where'd you get that shirt? So learn more about Scott, follow him and, and be, in, be inspired. I know I sure am. All right, friends, thanks again, donors, for making this possible. Thank you for being on mission with us. And we'll talk again soon. Peace. Scott Erickson, I'm, I'm geeking out. Um, as a fellow art lover myself and creative, welcome to uh, the podcast. Great. I'm so glad to be here. You are, you're on a roll right now. I know you're just bopping, like we say, bopping around from one interview to another, talking about this goodness that is your new book. Is this your second book? It's my first solo book. Okay. I made two uh, books with my friend Justin McRoberts okay. that are prayer and may it be so, both kind of image word prayer meditative mm. books that we have. Yeah. So, and so how, how is it being an author by yourself? <laughs> <laughs> From okay. one author to another, tell me the scoop. Uh, it is, it is uh, working through your imposter syndrome. Oh. Uh, you know, like it, um, I used to live in Portland, not too long ago, like six months ago. Portland, Oregon has a fantastic bookstore called Powell's. It's like six stories of books. It's called mm. uh, A World of Books is what Powell's World of Books. And I just remember walking into that bookstore distinctly going, how do you become part of this community of authors? You know, like, how do you get into it. places like this? And that was a dream years ago. And now... I can go there and find two of my books and, and so cool. soon to be a third one. And the, 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 the answer is it's all of your free time for <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's just like, tell you know, this is what I'd be like, what shows are you watching? And as you started telling me, I'd be like, stop, get rid of all of them. You can write a book. There you go. So, so, so true. And the fact that uh, reading in your book, how you um, asked your wife, you know, pregnancy and uh, mm. this expectation of, of a pregnancy is something you carry in this book. You guys, the book is called Honest Advent, Awakening to the Wonder of God with Us, Then, Here, and Now. The cover of the book, a woman is pregnant, um, that expectation. But in the book, you're kind of saying, I always ask my wife, what's it like to be pregnant? Well, I would just say, what's it like to write a book? It's the same yeah, drawing like out of you of like, when is this going to happen? When does it do? Some days I, better than others. I, uh, I'm i actually in the midst of writing another one. I got a two book deal with my publisher, Zondervan. Oh, Zondervan, uh, yeah. And so they fast tracked this one because it was mostly done. Although I basically doubled the wordage in it. Um, but uh, <laughs> But the next one's coming out next year, and I have the, this traveling show called Say Yes, and it's a book version of that. And awesome. uh, another part of it's just part of the creative journey, which you are immediately confronted by the I'm not good enough to do this, so which true. is like the imposter syndrome, like, so true. like taking a talk and then turning it into a book and just going, who am I to talk about all these mm. things? And, and, and I'm, I'm very well of, I'm well aware of the arguments. I've spent a lot of time listening to my inner arguments. So I have mm. the answers for it and I know mm. that it can come through, but it doesn't mean it's less, it doesn't mean you, it doesn't mean any less that you wake up in the morning and anxiety will like gut punch you while you're brushing your teeth or making <laughs> so coffee. True. And so you just have to go, God bless. I hear what you're saying. 
but you're dismissing all of these other things. You're, first mm. of all, you're dismissing that um, your argument is that I'm all alone in the world. And mm. I know that's not true because right. I am invited to co-create. So where I'm at right now, like I actually have a prayer in my studio here that just says, you will be given everything you need to accomplish what you've been asked to do. Ooh. And so the fact that I'm right here with a publishing deal, being invited to make a book means that like, it's going to happen. That's and right. Everything I need for that to happen is going to come together. Now, the mystery of that journey is having eyes and curiosity and humility to go, okay, I can learn. I can yeah. grow. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm listening right. to books right now because I'm like, I need a little more information. I don't have everything. <laughs> so I'm learning as I'm making a That's right. book making. I think people have myths. This is what I had. I had myths about what making a book is because I think I always thought that people were like, these individuals have vast knowledge and they're just simply mm. releasing some of their knowledge into a book. Mm. And that's maybe true in a way of like people have accumulated experience and thoughts and charted that down and then they, you know, brought those, that collected wisdom together. Mm. But also a book can be used as the artifact of your journey of figuring something out. Wow. So you go like, what do I want to know? I want to figure this out. I'm going to go on this journey and I'm going to take notes. And at the end, I'll put that all together. And that's a book too. So, so good. a book can be the artifact of the journey you want to go on. So I would yeah. say that those of you who are listening, if you're like, I want to know about what it's like to hike Machu Picchu. And it's like, <laughs> well, chart the whole process. How do yeah. you get down there? How did you get the ticket? What was it like? What did you experience? How did you train for it? What was the, you know. So true. And then at the end of the whole thing, you collect it and you yeah. polish it off. You work with an editor and make it. Praise God for editors. Praise, Praise God, God for, for editors. Yeah. And it's, it is, it's this, it, it isn't magical, but it is magical. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's just a lot of work and intention, but it's, it's doable. Um, okay. and then, and like, I have to get my, sorry, if you're so bored. You're like, Where I'm no, I'm no, in. But like, I have to get my first draft out and I know that, I'm not writing my final draft. I know That's like right. all I have to give my editor is uh, is kind of just a piece of turd. You know what I'm saying? That's like, true, it, a dumpster fire. It doesn't hey. have to be Shakespeare. Just like get it out of your head and body onto right. uh, into some copy. And then that's such, that is the biggest hurdle. And then from that's there right. you can work it, rearrange it. Throw some stuff out and yeah. elaborate on other things. It's yeah. so true. You're such Help. a creative. Scott, explain for people who may not know you or what you do. Give us a little backstory. First of all, I, I have a creative side in me. Many, some people may or may not know this. I actually, as much as I'm drawn to health and wholeness and this, you know, this fitness, I guess, side of the, the coin of what God's called me to, I have this other side of me that I have a degree in art education. So that's what my degree is in. Are you too? Art education. Yes. We can go teach the kids from K to 12 art education. I actually did it for one semester and I was crying in the closet. I was (laughs) in the supplies closet going, this is not joyful to me. I did it for one year. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But it's that draw into this mystery of art and creativity. So explain, can you tell us a little background? How did you get to where you are, what you're doing today? It's. It's too long for this podcast, but yeah, like I, um, it was paying attention. So it, I was always the drawer out of okay. my friends and family. I had some great teachers in junior high, high school who were like, 
hey, if you, you should, you have something you should, which is, you know, you haven't given up on being curious about this. I was always always drawn back to it. So like, uh, like learning how to draw well, paint well, is a, it's a learned skill. Like it's a learned skill, but what helps you learn quicker than others is the curiosity or enjoyment or love of it. Mm. And I just, I had maybe had that innately or I was Mm. curious about it. And so, um, but yeah, college, uh, was education and art studio mm-hmm. major. So, um, and then I did uh, I did a year, I worked, I did a year in Bible school in Europe and backpacked around and traveled. Okay. And it was while I was overseas, I noticed that I'd actually make art um, mm. without a, a due date. You know, there's no class. Nobody yeah, was right, nobody's art. asking you to do it, yeah. I would go into the basement of the school I was That's at cool. and just make art. And I was like, I gotta, this is in me. I should pay attention to it. So, wow. so when I get home, I'm going to make space for it. So I, when I came home, I was waiting tables, got a job subbing, eventually became a teacher at a school. And, but I was painting in an attic um, every week. I just made space to just work on this thing. And then I was 27 uh, in my prep period at my school, writing notes on the board. And I stopped and I was like, there is something I'm invited to do something else. I don't know what wow. it is. I just, I can sit, I can feel this yeah. calling to something else. And I ended up going to New York city to visit some friends two weeks later. And I met all these artists and, and I came, I remember on the flight back, I was like, I think I just, if I never try to be an artist, whatever that means, I don't even know if I know what that means. Yeah. If I don't try to do it, I'll always regret it. At the time I was single, I was dating my wife, but you know, I was single, no kids. Yeah. And uh, so there wasn't a lot to lose. Right. And then my wife had a really good job. So she was my sugar mama. So that helped. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's been my sugar mama for most of our marriage. We, we've <laughs> traded back and forth, but like, yeah, it, that's really helpful. But like, um, it was, yeah. So that, um, and that has, that was like 14 years ago. So now like there's a lot of places and what developed me was, one of the things is I started making things in front of people. It started in uh, college. I saw a guy do like live drawing and stuff. Okay. In college, I was friends with this uh, foursome girl band. And mm-hmm. one of the things I would, I proposed to them, we did a bunch was I would put up these giant sheets of paper and I'd do these like huge charcoal drawings behind them during their shows. Sure. It was awesome. And then yeah. that, that led into like painting. And I started painting at this church, like making paintings during the services. And then that led to like conferences and stuff. So I became, became for a while like a touring conference painter. Can, can I ask, was it faith? Were you trying to show the the divine and, and this godness? Or was it, yeah, how, did that, a, how did that kind of shift happen? When this church, in, it was in West Seattle, doesn't exist anymore, but uh they kept inviting me to like help translate the sermon or just come and paint, be a visual expression during wow. the service. That's cool. And, and I did that for a bit. And then they ended up giving me a space in their building, this like big upper room as my studio. And then I just said, Hey, can I paint every Sunday? Like, mm. I don't even need to be on the stage. I'll just be in the corner. Wow. So I was, come like, on. Here's the stage. And I was literally in the corner mm. making giant seven foot paintings because what I, mm. as a teacher, I was like, here, here's what churches love. They love to be like, we're in this series talking about this. And everybody forgets the series <laughs> during the middle of the week. Cause we got lives and we're doing things. So as a teacher, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if you walked into the space 
and there are visual reminders of everything you've been learning during this series. Like, yeah, powerful. Oh, yeah, this is where we're at now. Wow. So we, so this was kind of like the typical Lutheran, or I don't know, if Lutheran. You know, it's like the up down, upside down ship building. Mm-hmm. Thin stained glass and these beams. Mm-hmm. So in between, we made these like long. They would be like seven feet tall and three and a half feet wide. These like that was the what would fit in there. So I made this. I made a like a easel that would fit that, mm-hmm. and I made these like lar- large vertical paintings, which would have been perfect now for iPhones. Now that I think yeah about. yeah this is <laughs> this is <laughs> pre this is early two thousand three stories uh, yeah yeah and uh, and it was during that time working with like the, the, the pastor there that, um, gosh, you got to understand, I come from like a non charismatic background. So even, Mm -hmm. even though like I'm quote unquote, a prophetic painter, like I just Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. like, is that what happened? But Mm -hmm. like, basically the the Holy spirit just started teaching me how to listen to the Holy spirit and to, I'm not like, I'm just like, look, I'm not a genius. I just, my job is to listen. And I, I, um, I spend a lot of time listening in prayer and um, I just get pictures and then I make those pictures. There's a discernment process. Some of it's, I get a lot of like not right pictures. So sometimes you have to wait and you're like, right. And, but it was this process of listening and being obedient and all of that, that, that over, over a couple of years that really like fostered that in me. And so then when I'd go to like, now, if you've been to a conference, and, and look, there's a lot of different kinds of live painting. There's some people who are very expressive and abstract and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who are like, da 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 flip it upside down. It's Jesus or <laughs> Einstein, you know. I'm not any of those. I would, up, I would show up to a conference and I'd be like, can I talk to whoever's going to speak? Or can I get their notes? Or would they at least write like what the scripture is or what they're going to talk about? Sometimes it wasn't Christian, you know, sometimes it's just yeah. something else. And then I would just go, okay, what do you want us to see? And I would, I would just, I would come and my, what I pitched was like, I will come and be your um, artist in residence. I will listen to what's going on and I will interpret what's happening. And I will visualize that onto a canvas or a surface. And yes, then, okay. and, and we will put it out in the lobby or for our place. And so what we'll make is this visual representation of mm-hmm. what has been going on. And it's That's also awesome. really good for pictures. And back then there wasn't really social media. Uh, yeah. So you know, people would take photographs of it and be like, oh, yeah. cool. so that's, I did that for a long time to where like I got in some, some pretty, you know, like, like one time I painted in front of 15,000 people, which I don't wow. know if that really translated. <laughs> but, uh, you were there. Cause my, my surface is like four feet by three feet, <laughs> oh, like, hey. in an arena. Like I was like, I don't know if this. Was there a jumbotron involved? Yeah, I got on the jumbotron. Then that's, it's, that's it counts. Counts. Um, so I did that for a while, and then I ended up working at a. I actually worked at a church in Houston, Texas, where I was the artist in residence for three years. So I worked with the community as kind of a artistic and spiritual leader, and um, and I've done that in Portland. And um, uh, so how did I get to where I'm at? So well, it's, I have been developing a yeah. way of translating spiritual ideas concepts experiences Good. into a visual vocabulary that's and perfect so my work now which has this has been in retrospect um has really taken off or become known because of because of instagram as a photo based or image based yeah platform yeah like i have been in a category that people don't haven't really cared about like mm. not that they didn't but they're 
like especially in like religion like the top yep. heroes are who's the speaker who's the nonprofit worker who's the band mm-hmm. you know nobody's mm-hmm. like who's the visual artist right or but who's I the fitness instructor or he's the fitness instructor <laughs> but it's been interesting and I, I wonder if you've had that same experience but because of this platform of sharing and connecting my stuff works really well on it. And so mm-hmm. over the last few years, I think people have become more exposed to it. Absolutely. Where I spent like a decade doing the stuff where nobody quietly, really thought, That's you know, right. but I developed this process that I would say like led me to be talented and honest and have a good eye and a, and a, and a, and a something to say. So, and now let's, let's say what made you think this book, the Advent season needed a book with your ideas. <laughs> yeah. Um, I talk about it in the beginning, but uh, it's it was a time not so different than this year, uh, but it was four years ago. We had, it was November four years ago, which was right after the election, which mm-hmm. whoever you voted for, I think we could all agree, felt really divisive and yep. exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we were seeing, we were bombarded with these images of Syria and the civil war there, displacement mm-hmm. and just massive destructive. There were multiple mass shootings that year, Zika virus, uh, mm. Flint water crisis, a lot of stuff. And I just remember going to, I think like Target or CVS or something, and the blanket of Christmas decorations had dusted mm-hmm. everything in society as it mm-hmm. does every year. Mm-hmm. And I just remember looking at it all and going, this feels so meaningless in the Mm. world I am I'm in right now Mm. and which was shocking because I'm a big fan of Christmas Mm. I am one of those losers who saves Mm. the all 24-hour Christmas music station on their (laughs) car and listens to it you're a a band of people that follow me no yep (laughs) I love it I'm I'm all in I would keep my lights on our house till February because I just (laughs) I'm into it they're so pretty I love it Um, and, but I was like, and it's not even the like Santa stuff. Like I'm fine with Santa, but I think, Mm. (laughs) I don't know. There's some Santa exhaustion over the last few years. Like maybe because of Netflix, we were just like, there's so much just dumb Santa stuff. (laughs) So stupid. But like Kris Kringle and like the giving of gifts, that's great. But even like the, the religious stuff, like I was just like, these nativity scenes are just, they feel like they're not even about human beings. You know what I'm saying? I just wow. felt like yeah. the representation of the the birth story just like looked nothing like being a human being anymore. Wow. And at the time my wife was pregnant with our third child. And I know if you grew up in church, it's totally cliche. They'd be like, let's bring up a pregnant lady to talk about what it's like to be pregnant so we can <laughs> understand the birth of Jesus better. You know, <laughs> but like it was our third child. I had witnessed two births and two pregnancies already. And I was like, uh, one thing I know about being pregnant and being birth, not being a woman, but witnessing to it is it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a risk. Yeah. Uh, it hurts. There's a yeah. lot of fluids <laughs> and, yes. and a yes. lot of change and things change yeah. and it's uncomfortable. And yet it's all worth it when that baby comes out. Mm. And even that mm. process is scary. No person ever has a doctor or somebody walked over, just opened up a tummy and clean cleanly and yeah it's like a toaster oven there it is it's just like and the humanity comes out and every child ever or even a c-section it's like here's your insides you know it is this (laughs) and yet that is the biological that is the way and i was just like god came into the world through 
human vulnerability mm-hmm. and maybe Christ could be found because I was like, where is Jesus? Where's Jesus? Yeah, you asked that. Yeah. And I was like, maybe Christ is found in that human vulnerability. And so mm. I, I, um, just because I was witnessing this like pregnant woman next to me, this naked pregnant woman, mm-hmm. I started like Ill- doing some illustrations that were not, uh, that were like pushing it a bit going, Hey, you know, because like I mentioned this in the book where I'm like, we'd like to, we, you know, the paintings of newborn Jesus, he looks like he's three months old. He's definitely been washed. He can hold his head up and like, but that's not the babies you're handed yeah. in the hospital. They yeah. look like puffy purple yeah. aliens that are yeah. covered with your, they're not cute. They're, they're, not they're cute. messy. They're wrinkly. And yeah. And all this. So I, I started depicting that and then testing it out on Instagram and had this just overwhelming response yeah. from people, specifically from women who, who said, um, who, who said, I feel like this is actually the experience of being a mom. Yeah. This actually represents what it, this, this is some of the first stuff I've seen that actually feels honest about pregnancy. Yeah. And what it, it meant, good. what it helped me understand was like, yeah, if you think about it, most of the imagery that's been created about Christmas has been created by men. Mm. Um, and mm. and uh, sanitized in a way that that made them feel comfortable about it, mm. and um, and probably propagated some very chauvinistic and uh, and just hierarchical uh, mm-hmm. things, which is like female bodies are scary and and too sexy, so we should never ride in a car alone with them or an elevator because mm. we'll instantly want to have sex with them. And so it's yeah. this it's this from this Good. place of like kind of diminish I I I became aware of this diminishing of the female biology wow. in the name of like sacredness. And mm. and I inwardly was just like no. Yeah. No the divine has chosen to enter through the world through feminine biology. And we should see the sacredness of that. And I wanted to bear witness to it as a person who's not, who's not built with female biology. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Cause like when I was pushing, when we were putting this uh, to different publishers, uh, one pushback was somebody was like, what is this like middle-aged white man have to say about female biology? And I was like, that's a great question. I'm not trying to take away from somebody some from a mom who wants to write about her own experience, but I was like, I can see I bared I've bared witness to something. You've been an observer. And as an observer. And I just want to write as an observer. I want to pay honor to the sacredness I observed. Yeah. That I that I don't understand. I talk about that at the beginning or some in the book where I would ask my wife, you mentioned it. It's like, what is it? What's it like? What's it like? And and she could never as best as she could, she would try to articulate it to me, but I could never, I can never fully understand, which, which, which means it's a mystery. I think, and that, and why I wanted this book in my friend, uh, Mike McCarg, science, Mike, he's just like, uh, one of his endorsements was great. Uh, He's like, Scott's not trying to answer it for you. He's trying to invite you into mystery. He's not trying to answer the mystery. He's trying to like, let the mystery give you wonder. That's good. And And that's what's happening in it. You guys, it really is. And the book includes some of your, is it drawings? What mediums do you work in? Is it ink or? Yeah, they all start analog. Um, they all start with like pen and ink and then okay. and then have a refresher in, uh, on a computer program, Illustrator. So it's a and, mix of stuff. Yeah. And let, I'm going to hold up this picture. You're going to tell me, what is the name of this? Yeah, it's uh, Mary and Eve. 
You guys can go to his Instagram and find it there. It's a it's, picture. It's like, explain it. Yeah, it's my like most liked picture probably ever. Seriously. It's actually a cover of Sister Grace Remington is a sister in Mississippi, uh, Mississippi or Missouri. And she made an original image that's all in color. Yes, and, um, that's right. And so I have her blessing on this. I asked her yeah. uh, if this is cool. And she's like, yeah, great. Um, so she, uh, what I love about it is, um, so you have pregnant Mary meeting Eve and, yeah. and Mary has grabbed Eve's hand and, and she's holding her like Chica with one hand and she grabs her other hand. She puts it on her tummy mm. and Eve is just kind of like looking at this pregnancy. And then there's the snake around Eve's ankle and it's yeah. going over to Mary and Mary's foot is like stepping on it. Yeah. And, um, when I saw it, I just, it blew me away. And, um, because there's, for, Yes, there's lots of there's lots of like theological meanings to it that are really interesting. <laughs> but also what hit me when I saw I saw this in my friend's bathroom. They had it in their bathroom. They live in Atlanta and I I was in the bathroom for a long time. I don't know if they're like <laughs> working something out. But I just I, I just is. sat there looking at this picture cuz what hit me was like here are two moms that lost one of their kids too early. Yeah. Wow. Which wow. I don't feel like is talked about, yeah. and that and my meditation on that is about motherhood. Yeah. Like what I like about this image is like it's imagining there's this cosmic party where they get introduced to each other, and they're like, "I've heard of you. We've never met before." And then they find out they have, you know, a billion Everything friends on in Facebook. Common. But what? Where would they connect? They would maybe talk about like, how, "Isn't it cool being in the Bible?" Yeah, it's really fun. Lots of opportunities to speak at events and stuff because I'm in the Bible, but I think where they would eventually connect as all people connect as you connect where your deepest pain is. Mm. And I would see two moms going like, well, I muse and I could read it, but I muse that Eve, like there's a solidarity in this kind of motherhood, but Eve yeah. is just like being a mom is like the best thing in the world. But one of the hardest things is losing one of your kids before it's time. Yeah. And that pain doesn't ever go away. Mm. And, and, mm. and like, I think Eve has been like, uh, I just think, you know, I think the story of Eve has, it's, I, I, I say in there, I was like in the flannel graph story of her life, she gets two yep. pictures. One is she ate the apple and messed it up for everybody. And then she's the first one to experience pain in childbirth. And, um, and I'm like, but nobody gave her a flannel graph picture of like how incredibly hard it is to do something for the first time. And what's hard about being a mom is wow. like every mother has the the immense task of of doing the best she can. Come on, you know. And mm. like, why can't we pay honor to that? Because <sighs> yeah, <laughs> you're making so, me cry. <laughs> I'm teary eyed. Maybe we can't see through Zoom, but I'm teary. -eyed. Yeah, no, and I and. And it's this kind of going a little bit farther into it, going a little bit farther into the human vulnerability of this whole incarnation story and all the people, uh, Jesus and you know, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the magi, but mm -hmm. just it, you know, one of the, one of the muses that I use as a teacher is, is for the Bible is to go, is to say, the only reason we're telling any of these stories is because they're still happening now. 
It's not just yeah. a story back then. It's yeah. a story that's happening right now. That's right. And that's why we're, t- if it's not happening right now, who cares? Who cares? You know? Noise. Who cares? And so, and that's where I was like, Christ, the incarnation of Christ is still happening now. Where is mm-hmm. it happening? Is it a memorial service or is it a birthday party? And if you ask any kid, they'll be like, it's Jesus's birthday. And you're like, great. Mm-hmm. Where's Jesus? Where is this birthday party happening? Because a memorial service is like, oh, that happened long ago. How great was that? A birthday party assumes it's still happening now. That's so good. And I wanted to find where it was happening now because I was losing the wonder and joy of what the Christmas season is supposed to be, what Advent's supposed to instill in us. And I I needed to, like, I intentionally made it, it looks nothing like what you would define Christmas in Western society. It's true. It looks nothing like it because yeah. I was like, let's sidestep the brand of Christmas. Yep. Because we need to like step out of this massive juggernaut of Christmas cheer. Yeah. To look at the story from like just a different side. Yeah. And I would say that for sure, the book itself down to the art and, and the words, it kind of clears the deck. It simplifies, it gives you space to breathe, to have wonder yeah. and not feel cluttered by expectations yeah. of what it should be or just doing what we usually do. You guys, the book is called Honest Advent. It's Scott Erickson. You need to follow him on Instagram. I, you're one of my, I, I, I take care of how much time I spend on Instagram, but I check on these artists that are releasing heaven uh, yeah. visually. I'm a visual person. And I, yeah. I think there's power in thinking in pictures. We remember things yeah. that we see mm-hmm. often greater than mm-hmm. what we hear. So you are a gift to uh, this culture right now. So thank you. I have, yes. I have three fun questions for you before you get questions. Are, Let's do these it. They're just flying off, off the handle. You have to just answer them. First of all, I'm assuming, um, what is your favorite way to move your body? oh that's great um my favorite way of moving my body what feels most natural to you like you can just slide into it maybe i mean it's gotta be dancing that's really that's my favorite way you're a dancer yeah i'm a i'm an insta dancer but i'm also like a, a held back dancer but yeah like I know how to moonwalk. Like my daughter and I put on the Nutcracker yesterday morning and we're dancing around while I was making breakfast. Uh, That, I mean, I would say, oh, that and swimming. Swimming is my favorite. Oh, good. Anything in water. I love Mm. love swimming. That's my favorite thing. Do you have a pool or do you like have to go to a local place? We are lucky enough to have a pool here in Austin, Texas, which is a lifesaver. But yeah. Austin's really great because it's surrounded by rivers and lakes. So like we just went, Barton Springs just opened up. We went there and I was just like swimming everywhere. Nice. I have a paddleboard. Yeah. I, 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 I surf. There's not a lot of surfing here, but mm-hmm. like I love being in the ocean. So just swimming. Is my yeah. Favorite. I love the water too. I love the mystery of the water. I love how you kind of feel like you're in another world. Yeah. Just it so transports happy. you somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. So that's favorite way to move your body. Um, if you are going to work out or move your body, well, we know if you're going to get in the water, you're going to wear swim trunks, but do you have like a fa- like what's the comfy workout clothes for you as a man? Tell us. Oh, as a man. Um, yeah. So I've been doing orange theory, which has yes. been really, which has yeah. been really great. Um, and my go-to is a light tank top, mm-hmm. um, some stretchy longer underwear and then some like shorts, you know, because you sometimes go. you're down and you're like, Yeah, you don't need to see all my need to get all that, yeah, put away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and then just some running shoes that's in that and some socks and that's my typical uh kind workout. of active workout wear mm-hmm. when you uh the shirt you're wearing right now is that one of your own yeah and so is, they can people can go to your website and uh mm-hmm. get apparel then i see yeah yeah, yeah. okay limited Hello, right so- now i i have a plan of after this book launch i'm like you got to make all these things into shirts. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I love it. I've just been drawing it the whole time. Okay. And then t- uh, coffee, tea, or kombucha. What's your go-to? Coffee. Your coffee guy? Yeah. How many I, times a day? Um, Twice. I used to do more and then I had like a nervous breakdown from coffee. So I, uh, one big cup in the morning and maybe a decaf in the afternoon. Okay. I, I love all of those. I lived in England and got, mm. really got into tea. So sometimes mm-hmm. I'll substitute the afternoon for tea mm-hmm. and I love some kombucha. So. And me too. But, but if I had to vote, coffee is my, okay. it's, it's my morning ritual. Love it. Yeah. And if you want uh, one thing you want people to know that only you can say right now, what would it be? <laughs> wow. That's right. a great question. One okay. thing. Um, Winning the Price is Right is everything you imagined it would be. <laughs> Wait, did you win the Price is Right? Yeah, I was a grand prize winner. Yeah, sure. winner. That's awesome. Yeah. And that is so amazing. Now we have to do a whole other podcast <laughs> on this concept of winning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, thanks for being here. Follow him, you guys, Barnes and Noble. Um, the book is on Amazon, I'm sure, right? And all yeah, it's places. everywhere you can buy books. And Scott the Painter on Instagram. You got it. Okay. Well, I'm I'm loving it and gonna go through it with even my own little community here. So thanks, Wonderful. Scott, for being here today. It's good to be here.